0: Well, welcome back to Second Time Around, the show about sequels. This is episode 71. We're finally here, Surf 2, the end of the trilogy. I'm your big kahuna, Mike Manzi here. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back. And I've got two completely bodacious guests with me today that are going to hang ten tonight. First up, you know him because he co-founded the network. He is the Father himself. He is the co-host of Too Fast, Too Forever, amongst many other shows on the network. Joey Lewandowski, welcome to Second Time Around.
1: Happy to be here, Mike. It's a pleasure. You know, when we founded that network, I didn't think it would go this far, but finally we're at Surf 2. So, once again, happy to be here. Also joining us tonight, you might know him from his
0: show, High School Slumber Party, and many other shows on the network, including one that he co hosts with me. They both co host shows with myself. Welcome back, Brian Late Night
1: Rodriguez.
2: Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. I love doing Uncle Francis with you. I love being your unofficial co-host over here. It's it's just always a pleasure to talk to you about great movies like Surf 2.
1: Of course, we are not who we say we are.
2: I will say, on this day we might be who we say we are elsewhere on the network. Just check other places out. I have been a fan of the show since the very beginning. I have loved Second Time Around. It's one of my favorite shows. It's on, it's an honor to be here. You know, I love when you guys covered. I think your last episode might have been Jaws 2, or maybe that was 12 episodes ago. I can't. It's all the episodes blend together, but I love them all so much. And I'm just honored to be here for Surf 2, another water-themed episode.
0: Yeah, we're back to the beach. And I got to say, Joey, like, I can't believe this is the first time you're here. I mean, we're like almost, we're what, like 70 deep already. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, so shame on me, but finally writing that wrong. Brian Rodriguez, you know, you're no stranger to the show. You're my unofficial co-host, but also no stranger to the beach himself.
1: You're, you're right, Mike. I am a veteran of San Emilio Island. Every other year or so, me and my good friend, Kyle Reinfried, formerly of Foodie Films, who knows what he does now, uh, we uh, rent a beach house together. On High School Slumber Party, covered a ton of beach party movies, Planned to cover some more. So... This one, I didn't know what to expect. I I didn't see Surf 1. But once I popped it in and started watching it, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. It's just another Surf movie, so...
0: Just another surf movie? We'll get to that. Uh, First, maybe a little about how we got to this movie in the first place. There is a small story, or I should—I guess a short story, a tall tale. Joey and myself get together every once a month or so to record podcasts about Nicolas Cage, Elvis Presley, Viva Pod Vegas, Cage Club. And I was over there about maybe a month and a half, two months ago, and he had a stack of new Blu-rays sitting there on the table. I was kind of going through them. They all looked really fun and really cool but for some reason Surf 2 jumped out at me and these days I'm kind of on a tight budget right but I went home that day and bought it sight, sight unseen having just like looked at the cover and just put it away saved it for an opportunity to discuss it on a show whether it be this show or another show on the network luckily it turned out to be second time around thankfully mm-hmm. and that's how I found out about this movie but Joey I found it at your house so do you have a story about how you discovered Surf 2?
2: Yeah, so I had never heard of it, and then this january so like three months ago now vinegar syndrome turned 10 and to celebrate they did 10 of their movies every day for ten dollars they have a nice cool thing where like you can order as much as you want like you don't pay more shipping so like if you order like on a certain day like you can add to your existing order so like once you place an order i'm just like well now every movie is just ten like, dollars there's nothing so i was looking at every movie every day as we've talked about on many of the shows on the network a lot of the vinegar syndrome stuff is like underseen under kind of cult favorites cult classics i think they sort of specialize in things that like people don't really know about. So I didn't know like any of these movies. So like I'm looking up 10 movies a day on Letterboxd and like half of them like right away I'm just like no this is just garbage. Like not like you know I'm sure they, they did a great job remastering but just like I'm not going to spend money on this. But then... Every once in a while, I see a thing, and I find Surf 2, the end of the trilogy, and I'm like, the name alone is amazing, and then I see the art, and I read the description, and I'm like, holy moly, I gotta buy this movie. This movie sounds incredible, so I bought it, along with like, you know, eight or nine other movies, so I spent, you know, like a hundred bucks or whatever on like ten different things. This is the first one that stack that I've watched, and boy, oh boy, what a delight. What a
0: treat. Holy moly, indeed, and it wouldn't be second time around if there weren't two cuts of the film, which there are. This came with two cuts. There is a theatrical cut and then an extended director's cut, which is the one we all watch, the extended cut, because, hey... You know if we're gonna watch one cut let's watch the one with the most footage the most complete version I didn't even read the back of the box when I was at your spot Joey and this is one of the few movies in a long time that I truly went in knowing like zip I ended up having a lot of fun like it wasn't exactly what I was expecting but it was still close enough that I, uh, I still thought that it was a good time now Brian um, you covered a lot of surf movies on your network, but I also believe like you've run into a couple of these cast members on a few of your films, if I'm not mistaken. We have Teen Idol, possibly, I don't know, Eric Stoltz is here as one of the leads of this film. I believe we've run into him a few times over at High School Slumber Party, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like he's playing an extended version of the character that he plays in Fast Times at Ridgemont High
1: yeah like that's the only thing i can remember i know he's obviously in other teen films but i was trying to think like what else have i covered that eric stoltz is in and it might just be that for now like he's in some kind of wonderful but i haven't done that i haven't done Mask, the rocky dennis story i want to i love mask
0: yeah you got a lot of good ones to go
1: more Eric Stolt stuff in the future. Of course, Mike, you and I talked about him on this show because he was in The Fly 2, remember?
0: Oh, absolutely. How could I forget The Fly 2? Yes.
1: Not bad. A lot of
0: people don't give it as much credit because it's not Jeff Goldblum, it's not Gina Davis, it's not Cronenberg. You know, they should have made a third, definitely. And also, let's stick with this cast real quick before we get into a little bit more of like the plot and stuff because there's one or two more standouts here that one definitely you've ran into, Brian. Eddie Deezen. I most know him from Greece, and I've known this guy from Greece ever since I was a little tyke. It was amazing to see him in this movie, basically having like a starring role.
1: Well, it made me realize that Joey, we promised that we would have you on the Greece Two episode, and we just haven't done it because of that. So he's in Greece and Greece Two, which I think is amazing. So, Mike, I know it's your show, but this summer we gotta cover Greece Two
2: i mean we just talked about michelle pfeiffer over on too fast too forever which is really too fast too forever i can't believe you guys haven't done that one yet on the show either like what i love about this show so like mike i like third time's a charm that was like such a smash success you're like
0: i gotta let other people have a shot uh you retired it yeah it was sort of like chris rock's talk show i had to leave at the peak right you know Mm i didn't want it to fail so i left at the height of its popularity
2: yeah, I can't remember the canon of all of this, but what I like about this show in particular is that like the second movie, like you, t- you take such a hard pivot, either like it builds, like you know, the Godfather 2 builds in the first Godfather, which just like, hey, Grease 2, brand new thing. We got a cool rider here. And it's like, what is going on? And I like, I just like that there's such dynamic waves that you make, no pun intended here, in the second movie in the series. Yeah,
0: it's funny because that reminded me a lot of when we covered Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, because the similarities you have between that and Grease 2 is ultimately just the building returns right you go back to Rydell High or you go back to the house
2: everyone's favorite part of both of those movies
0: the building yeah you know it doesn't get enough credit as a character you know they always like to give it to the entire city mostly New York as a character
1: when you mention cities being the character I don't know why it's bringing me back to Predator 2 Predators that's such a stealthy LA movie the urban jungle, right? The first yeah, one's right? the
0: actual jungle, then they go to the urban jungle. Yeah. Also, at the time of its release, it took place in the future. So that's kind of something the clock as well, you know, how many sequels time jump as much like they did with like later Rocky movies, not so much with the sequel. That takes place directly after the original. It happens, but. Surf 2 is interesting. Brian, you said you never saw Surf 1. I haven't seen Surf 1. Joey, have you seen <laughs> Surf 1? No, but I would pay so much money to watch a Surf 1. I can tell you that much. I feel like they made one and just never like filmed it, but it feels watching this movie, it feels like there was a script because things seemed established, like I should know what they're talking about. It kind of feels a little bit like an entire world has already been created by the time we step into this movie. Now, that could just be the byproduct of it being a beach blanket bingo
1: parody yes yes you know and those being the tropes that's what i think on high school summer again we studied a lot of these beach party movies studied it when kyle just watched them while drinking mai tais but they would be like this right like they would be a sequel that didn't have another film you could have watched any one of those films in any order and it did not matter right the first one and the last one same characters things did not continue it didn't matter some of them were literally the same movie just done again they made they would make like three or four in a row and I, i was reading a little bit of behind the scenes that they definitely took from that, right? Like they definitely were just like let's just make it surf too because it's going to exist in this world. So when I said it was like any other surf movie, I didn't mean that necessarily in a negative way. To be honest, it didn't wow me. I was more like oh They watched the same movies I watched. That's kind of cool. So I was more into the craft of this more than anything, because this movie is really dumb. Those movies are really dumb. And they got that.
0: Yeah, it feels like after we've all seen Voyage of the Rock Aliens, it's kind of going to be impossible to beat that, (laughs) right? So that's sort of the reach that, you know, I never expected this movie to get there, but this is about a notch down from that. So I was very pleased about it.
2: I don't know how much either of you dug into the history of this movie, but there are like four or five different titles for this one. So like, it feels crazy to me that there wasn't a surf one when they had so many different ways, like it, between marketing, like there's the two different cuts, they like had all these different things they're trying to make fun of, the studio had a different idea than the director, like there's, there's such chaos here. But what I think is funny, like my entire Letterbox review for this was like, it's funny to read negative reviews of this, because it's like, what did you expect with a movie <laughs> called Surf 2, the end of the trilogy, or whatever title you ha- it had. when you, Like, what are you expecting? Like, they're not striving for cinema. Like, they're, they're just striving to make fun of things, to have a good time. Like, if you go into this movie and you're like, this is dumb, this is stupid, I don't understand. Like, it's just like, what, why'd you even start the movie? You know what I mean? Like, with a movie that maybe is less in your face about what it's doing than this i can see getting upset if it's dumb or waste your time but from the jump in every way this movie's just like don't take any of this seriously and i love that it just like i know what happened i don't really know what happened but it doesn't matter because like this movie just is relentlessly paced and just like insane from beginning to end and like it's not the best version of this that i've seen like you're saying like voyage of the Rocky Islands is a masterpiece but like this is great like i love that i found this movie i love that we all watch this movie this movie is a delight in my eyes
0: I love all of this by the way cuz like I'm feeling it you know and I, and I feel like in a lot of ways those original frankie and annette movies you know they're pure camp right it's campiness and like at this stage in cinema this is exploitation or something more along that line like teenagers are different now and so like it's more of like a schlock feature film kind of thing and yeah how can you not know what you're in for with a title like that you know something that just skips right to part two it's about 15 minutes or so into the show so you know what that means i gotta read the back of the blu-ray just so we could get this out of the way and um Everyone else can know what we watched so the, for the rest of what we're talking about. Surfing is the only thing to do for high school students Chuck and Bob, who are in preparation for the big surf competition. However, their fathers, sales rep for the new soda named Buzz Cola, disapprove of surfing as a whole. Everything is going swell until the area's surfing population started getting kidnapped by Menlo, a vengeful nerd turned mad scientist, with a particular vengeance aimed at surfers. Using Buzz Cola, Menlo has begun turning surfers into brain-dead zombies with the aid of his assistant, Sparkle. Can Chuck and Bob thwart his evil master plan in time to save the surfing competition?
1: I mean, this is pure surf exploitation, if you ask me. You could have read that off a uh, Beach Party movie poster. That would be the plot in it.
2: Brian, I, I listened to all your episodes of those, and I remember each and every word. I have a steel trap for memory, but can you remind me? Or let the listeners know, did any of those movies get weird like this? Like, where the plot was about, like, science fiction and stuff? Did they ever approach anything, or was it just all, like, dating relationship?
1: No, no. They they definitely approach weird stuff like this. Like, the zombies didn't look like 80s zombies, obviously, right? Like, it was, like, if the three of us now we could with the technology today make the exact same movie at the beach of those like a like frankie and annette beach party movies right and i'm not saying like we would spend any money like whatever money we have in the bank we wouldn't need like an alien came in one of them you know that's sci-fi but it's like but it was it would be like oh frankie is an alien in this one or frankie exists but there's an alien version of frankie you know and the alien version of frankie takes a net there's all kind of stuff like this would get very weird but it would be just like the same as this movie people would care but not that much it wouldn't like affect the world you know what i mean it would be like oh my kids are zombies now what do we do you know let's surf this was spot on when it came to those things like the makeup's better in this and things like that but to answer your question yes
0: Interesting. It's like as long as we win the surf competition, everything will go back to normal, you know, so like, let's see how crazy and wacky and wild things can
1: get. I feel like this movie
0: really just like is on a upward slope most of the time, like it just keeps increasing in craziness. I have a couple scenes and a few moments that I really enjoyed. But why don't we get into some of our favorite moments, performances or, or things? What would you like to start with, Joey?
2: You know, my my barometer, when we do Elvis, when we do Viva Pod Vegas, my barometer every episode, every movie that we watch is, does it do one thing that I've never seen before in any other movie? And lately on Elvis, the answer is always yes. It's like, how does this keep happening? It's wild. This movie won me over forever in a very early scene that they go back to a couple times, but when they have the two main boys' families kitchens facing each other and it's the mirror image and both families are having the same conversation at the same time i don't know how long this took to do i don't know who had this idea it's so simple and yet so insane and i loved this so much like making fun of like i guess americana what i love about this movie in general is that, like it's it's giving us 80s nostalgia but it's also nostalgia of the 60s like it's double it's like a double dose which i really appreciate but this is like so like this is the same kind of thing but like in a different presentation like i thought like it's such an easy idea and yet i was just like blown away i'm like this is so weird and cool and i know exactly what it's doing and it's doing it really well and i'm like this movie has me for the rest of the time like i just appreciate this so much
0: you know i agree with you 100 i watched this and i thought of you joey because i thought of how you've been saying that lately about elvis movies this stuck out like a sore thumb to me in a good way and i didn't mean that i'm just saying like it is visible like when you when this scene comes on the split screen you're like what is this uh This is something new. It's very surreal. It says everything you need to about Suburbia, like at the time, about the Atomic family. It has almost like a tinge of like Lynchian vibes going on with the tone. Like it keeps going on and on. I absolutely love this moment too. I love when they go back to it. I love when they sort of give up the gag later on by changing the camera angle.
1: So I loved it the first time. I hate that they went back to it. Like Really? That really pissed me off. I was like, all right, we got it. I was wondering if that was even something, because I watched only the extended version. I was wondering if that was even in the first version. Because, like, I don't know. Because why were they the same in the house, but after they left... It's not like they would continue being the same, right? Just contrary to your point, they didn't seem like the traditional nuclear family of the time. The dads were like surfed out and stuff, even before they started drinking the cola. So I was just a little bit lost there. But in the terms of like uniqueness, it was very cool to see the first time. Um, I'll give you that.
0: I can see where you're coming from, Brian, because it is a lot. It it is sort of like an attack of the senses and it gets to be, even for me, it's like, wow, I love this idea. I love the execution, but it does kind of go on. On a bit and I was surprised they go back to it more and more but it just kind of reminded me again of how crazy the movie was not only will it do it but it'll go back to it and do it more and it's like you didn't have to do that movie so like I kind of like that it, that it was so kind of brazen about it so there's another actor in here. We talked about him in the heyday of Third Time's a charm. He's from the Friday the thirteenth series, but the best friend of Eric Stoltz, Jeffrey Rogers, who plays Bob, you know, since we're talking about how they were neighbors, how their parents and them all sort of act exactly alike inside the house and everything. I thought he and Eric Stoltz made a pretty good duo. They're just surfer dudes. They are literally like guys from the van of Fast Times. But that's cool. Like, you know, they were fun to watch. And I knew I knew him from somewhere. And that's where I knew him from. So...
1: I'm not too familiar with uh, Third, Time to Charm, so I wasn't aware of him being in that film. They did remind me of something I covered on High School Slumber Party early on, though, uh, from, what the hell is that? Oh, Summer School, Chainsaw on Dave. I thought you were going to mention someone we covered here on this show, second time around, Mike. Of course, Weekend at Bernie's 2, Terry Kaiser, is in this film.
0: When he showed up, that's when I was like down on the ground saying, yes, all praise this movie. I I could not believe he was in this. That made me so excited. Bernie's one is cool, but like when we talked about Bernie's two, man, that went on what might have been our longest show ever.
1: Remember Joey complaining three hours that we can have Bernie's two? But it was it good. It was two parter.
2: I remember when when you guys put that out. And I was like, because, you know, on my shows, I always feel weird when, like, an episode is longer than the movie. It's like, do you really have more to say than the movie says about itself? And I saw this three-hour runtime. I'm like, first of all, I I said, is this an error? And then you're like, no, 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 this is legitimate. Just listen. Give it a shot. And I was like, you guys, like, I know that you love these movies, but sometimes it's obnoxious. Then I listened. I was just like, this changed the medium of podcasting for me. This was... (laughs) Eye opening. It made podcasting good. Like, it made art good. Like, it was so profound, you guys talking about Weekend of Bernie's 2 that I was like, oh my God. I've been watching every movie wrong my entire life. I the last six six and a half months or so since you did that, like my, my life has been changed.
0: It was quite a thing, yeah. I mean, uh, man, that movie is something else, though. Like, I I did not like it until I listened back to my own show about it. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys recognized one of the girlfriends in this. I believe you pronounce it. Let me let me see if I could get my computer to say her name for me. Let's see.
1: Just... Computer, say her name.
0: Corin Barr. She is the blonde girlfriend. Like, I recognized her immediately from a bunch of stuff. Brian, you might have bumped into her once. Have you done Vice Versa over there?
1: No, not yet.
0: You got to do the classic father-son body swap. Judd Reinhold, Kevin Arnold. What was Kevin Arnold's? Fred Savage. That's it. They swap bodies. She's the girlfriend. Hilarity ensues, you know? It's a pretty good time.
2: She's another movie called that, Brian, you should also cover, called The Beach Girls from 1982, which it's another beach... Celebrate summer and fun with a slew of bikini-clad beach bunnies. School is out, and three girls head to the beach for vacation.
1: I mean, that sounds great, by the way. Wasn't she in Police Academy 4? She's in Police Academy 4 and Revenge of the Nerds 4.
2: She's in two four-parters.
0: Also good was some of the stock footage of the surfing. Brian, did you recognize any of that from, like, Fat Tuesday or Big Wednesday or one of those No,
1: but it just told me that they definitely studied beach party movies because that's what beach party movies would do, essentially. I mean, they didn't have this part, but they would have footage on them like in front of a primitive green screen. I don't know what it was at the time, right? Like they'd have them fake surfing and then they would cut to real surfers in that stock footage. So
2: What I did like is that most of these actors seem like like there are obviously the the stand-in like making fun of itself with those kind of like blue screen green screen whatever but it seemed like a lot of the surfers were like maybe not like great surfers but like it seemed like they were all like up actually
0: surfing like i was kind of impressed by like it looked like they were doing it yeah there was the one actor who is the brother that gets kidnapped early the tall one from one crazy summer it looked as if he was doing his own surfing you know the cat i'm talking about he's like the tall one with the funny hair he played one of like the The Dorcas twins, or whatever. He was Bobcat Goldthwaite's brother in One Crazy Summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like he was doing his own surfing, and you're right, Joey. Like, there's a lot of sort of like um, shifting on the boards, and everyone looked really comfortable. And I agree. I thought the surfing, I very much enjoyed the surfing. As someone who doesn't surf and know very much about it, aside from Point Break, you know, another terrific surfing beach movie that we've covered over on Keanu Club. Yeah, I thought it was cool.
2: Because like, there's no reason the movie has to do that. Like, because it's not trying to be like a real surf movie. It's not trying to be like a, a sports movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's making fun of these kind of things. And so there's no reason for it to go to any level of realism. And yet it does. And it's like, oh, like, you're actually trying to do something here. And like, that was even more, like, even though it kind of made the rest of the movie, like, almost a little bit worse in, in a weird way. Like, it, it made it, it made me appreciate it even more. Because it's like, oh, no, like, you actually, you, you tried. It was weird, but I, I appreciated it.
0: Yeah, it wasn't part of the joke, which is strange, you know, it's sort of like, uh, no offense, please, for what I'm about to say, because I totally love these films in the show. But in, you know, the Fast and Furious films, it's not like they're taking, they're not taking the driving seriously, you know what I'm saying? And that's like so much of the fun about it. Like they take the drama seriously, they take uh, the family and 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 the other stuff more seriously, and they let the action be like all the car stuff. And it's amazing, you know, and so I was sort of expecting there to be, I don't know, uh, someone with like a high-tech surfboard or like, yeah, some kind of augmented surfboard, but that wasn't any of the joke here.
2: I don't know if it's a joke. I mean, maybe it is. It's just, there's a version of this movie, I think, where they don't even show the people surfing, right? Like, it's a movie about surfers and about surfing competition that you never see to surf, or like, it's only blue screen, green screen, whatever. And like, that's the point. But like here, it's just like, no, like, it's actually showing, maybe I was just in the bag by that point for this movie, and like, no matter what it did, I was going to appreciate it. But I was just like, man, this is...
0: unexpected and good well you know what it's kind of reminded me of is a film that I'm trying to find a place to cover for the last I don't know five years on this network but the Josh Brolin classic thrashing about skateboarders in LA oh well yeah mm-hmm. that is one that is like campy and And in on its own joke, but then it takes the skateboarding super seriously, extremely seriously to the point of like, is the rest of this supposed to be serious too? Like it can't be. So I was kind of, it was kind of giving me those vibes. Like it was on that level too.
2: You know, I don't want to uh, take money out of your pocket. I don't want to put you on blast here, but there is a place that you could, that would fit in beautifully that your co-host over here already supports Too Fast Too Forever the Patreon and every lap you get a pick of a movie you could pick any movie you want but i will say that an upcoming lap that would fit in beautifully so i'm not saying i know you said you're on a budget and i'm not trying to take money out of my friend's pocket but if you want to kick me and joe a couple shekels i know a place where you could slot that in and you could also be like Brian and bully your way to be a guest on that episode so i'm just i'm just putting this out there i'm just saying it's time for you to officially join the familia if you want to find a place Brian literally has a list of just random movies that he wants to talk about that don't fit anywhere else that he like makes us watch on a lap-by-lap basis so i'm just saying
0: love it well that's always good to know you know and uh there's a home for you here too joey if you're having a good time and you ever want to come back and uh, we could discuss fast and furious part two or any other part two that we haven't talked about you know we've We've not talked about a lot. There's a lot out there that we've still, could get. We, we've we've talked about ones we probably shouldn't have, you know, we've skipped over some good ones, like we haven't even talked about Temple of Doom yet.
1: I mean, that one we definitely should. Soon, yeah, well, we had the whole action thing, you know, when we did MI2, Born Supremacy. Lethal yeah. Weapon. Yeah, Lethal Weapon 2, yeah, that was. Yeah.
0: That's the problem, like, there weren't that many Part 2s back then, like before the 80s, so it's hard. And they never titled it with a number, so it was like, Beneath the Planet of the Apes is the second one, but like, you don't necessarily know that unless, you know, there's nothing to tell you that's the second one, and it's not like the Godfather tells you, like, this is part two. So that's very kind of Uncle Francis, to do something like that. And the same with James Bond. The second one is called, From Russia with Love, but it's not like it's called James Bond 2,
2: Well, we talked about on Elvis how, like, the one producer was like, you should just give them numbers because, like, they're all the same movie. It's just like, well, you know, that would make things easier,
0: right? So. Okay, so I was talking recently on a show about, please forgive me on my own show, but another part, too, Return of the Creature over on um, The Monsters That Made Us with Dan Colon. But one of the working titles for that was just Creature from the Black Lagoon, the sequel.
2: Can I share a little bit of, like, what I read about this movie? Because, like, I feel like it's both remarkable and unremarkable at the same time. This movie is directed by this guy, Randall Badat, B-A-D-A-T. I don't know how to pronounce it, but Badat. We'll just say Badat. It's the only movie he's ever directed. And so he was a surfer, I think, and he just like, was an aspiring screenwriter. He suffered a surfing injury to his face and was on all these heavy painkillers. So while he's doped up on drugs, or as he calls it, quote, whacked out of his gourd on Demerol, he discussed the idea of a satirical beach party movie that he described as Frankie and Annette go to hell with his writer friends. They're like, that sounds good. You should write it. So he wrote this in two days. He envisioned it as something darker and more sinister, like a Russ Meyer film, or, Mike, like your other show, like an 80s punk version of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, very cool. So fine. he writes this movie, he has this idea, he sends it to his agent. His agent says, quote, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. That's a verbatim quote. So he's like, ah, oh, fuck, now what do I do? And so he shops it around, and he finds these independent film producers who helped get financing together, and sells the movie to Arista Films at Cannes. So this movie didn't screen at Cannes, I don't think, but it was sold at Cannes, so there's that. The movie at this point was called Surf Trash and then became Surf 2 and it was Surf 2 The Movie because there was all these different movies or whatever, or like, or maybe it was making fun of things that were called The Movie, whatever. So then it comes out in theaters, it's called Surf 2 The End of the Trilogy and then later becomes Surf 2 The Nerds Strike Back because of the Revenge of the Nerds and then when it's airing in Spain, the movie basically is translated to Beach Madness which I think is pretty great too. Pretty solid. So as this is all going on, the name keeps going, like it's a flop, people don't like it, like critics hate it critics don't understand it whatever there is something that is similar to an elvis story mike that when they screen it in la the first night all these kids who want to get in can't get in yeah and they literally trash the theater and the theater's like fuck this movie we're not showing anymore no more and they kill it after one night because like all these kids who couldn't get in ruined it for everybody wow so while all this is happening the Studio or the producer or whatever is just like, we need to make this more like porkies. That's what kids want. They want sex. They want gross out gags. We're going to put a lot more nudity in there, a lot of just like dumb jokes, whatever. And so they do all that. And the director, Badat, hates it. He's embarrassed by it. He's like, this is not my movie. I just don't like it. This is not what I want. So eventually, when Vinegar Syndrome re- remasters it in 2021, they bring it back. They have the two different versions, but it seems like the theatrical one is like what more people saw, but not what the director ever wanted people to see. So so just that's a good thing to keep in mind.
0: Sounds like no one really got a chance to see the theatrical version either after it got kind of shut down yeah. after one day of mania going on and everything. Wow.
2: I mean, I think the reason this guy had never directed another movie, like he had a quote about how like he would go into meetings with people and they'd be like, oh, you made Surf 2, this meeting is over, which I'm sure is like an exaggeration, but like this movie ruined his career and it seems like it wasn't really his fault. And he's like, if I had a chance to do it differently, what would I have done differently? He's like, I guess everything he says the target audience loved it but their parents hated it my family hated it people I was doing other business with hated it but he is amazed he says at how well the film still plays I guess it works overall so like I think it's the kind of thing where like this is the kind of movie that's like ripe for a resurgence or like a reevaluation. where it's like if you don't go into this expecting the world like there's nothing to hate about this movie like it's not great but like there's nothing bad it's just dumb fun the effects are pretty solid it's funny enough it looks good like this is exactly the kind of thing that I, I turned to vinegar syndrome 4 I'm just so happy that like they saved this one
0: yes that's how it feels too like it feels like a movie that should have had its day it missed its time whoever was in charge just said no and if someone else was in charge like it would have just you know been another great eric stoltz movie that everyone knew about and it's remarkable too because there is like a deeper cast going on here like what is cleavon little as the principal of the high school that's amazing that alone in any high school movie maybe it was suppressed by big cola coca-cola was like we need teens drinking coca-cola we can't have them thinking it turns them into crazy zombie freaks
2: They're like, you know, the the soda's healthy. It's like, well, it's not healthy. I mean, it's still cola, but like it's not turning them into zombies. Like it's just like, they're like, we can't really say it's healthy because it's not healthy, but like it's
0: not killing these kids. That's some good backstory though. Like the plot of the film itself, I intentionally didn't, look anything up online um it was hard not to tell eric stoltz was in the movie because like he's he's drawn on the cover and yeah that's like the one thing i did know but i like this whole kind of theme thing with there's something in the drink it reminds me of like the stuff that's kind of like a horror trope as well or like a sci-fi trope where it's just like conformity in the shape of consumerism that was kind of fun to see here i was really shocked when we take like this right turn uh sort of like after the first couple of 10 minutes or so and we go to the bottom of the ocean and find out that that is the plot of the movie that like this yeah this nerd who i assumed was probably left over from the first movie right is like getting his revenge on the surfer dude so it was cool it just kind of like kept me guessing as well
2: i think it with a modern lens the end is kind of transphobic in a way that's not really cool but it's also like so dumb that like it doesn't feel mean it just feels like it's making fun of other things i don't know like i was just like this is problematic but also i'm not going to overthink this because like keep in mind what i'm watching right like the whole like he developed breasts and then like the thing turns the dads into women it's just like this is kind of icky but like i don't think it was mean if you were offended by it like i could by all means like understand that but like it doesn't feel like mean spirited it just feels like oh that's kind of dumb
0: yeah it feels more pranky or stupid as well i i got I, yeah it didn't feel as harsh as say the end of ace ventura does these days i mean right. yes. you know yes. I, I don't condone it you know or anything but it definitely seemed like a harmless stupid afterthought in this and not the entire motivation as <laughs> it were maybe the one misstep of the film but still hey man those crazy 80s it's still better than bachelor party Oh, yeah.
2: I think yeah, in in the spectrum of different ways that 80s movies could be canceled or, like, looked down upon or whatever, like, like you're saying, there's a lot worse than this. Again, not not defending this, but there's a lot worse out there that
1: like, oh, boy, like, don't watch that.
2: Brian, what did you think of uh, Chief Boyardee and Inspector
1: Underwear? I don't really have a lot of thoughts on this film. Like, it was an enjoyable ride.
0: Well, just as a writer, how do you feel about naming characters that? Like, I, I thought Chief
1: Boyardee was terrific. You, you want my honest opinion? I don't feel that great about it. I think it's dumb, but the movie is dumb. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm like, oh, brilliant! This movie, there's nothing brilliant about this movie to me, and that's okay. It didn't need to be brilliant. It doesn't have to be brilliant. I'm glad people finally get it, right? Because if you read, like, the Letterbox scores now, like, I think it's like a three on Letterbox or something like that. Not that that matters. It's clear that the modern viewer is like, oh, okay. And people at the time, maybe they didn't have the context anymore. Maybe they didn't get it. Um, In terms of the names, Dr. Beaker was weak. Sparkle, I kind of liked her. I like that name. She was very Sandy from Greece. Greece, another parody of Beach Party movies.
2: I do think Beaker was named as such, other than he's just, you know, it's a science implement. But I think it's for the one line where it just says, Becker, drop that Beaker. And Beaker, drop that Beaker. Like, I think that's all that it was. Like, I think that was, I was like, pretty good. Honestly, pretty good.
1: I don't think like a Gen Zer watches this and finds this funny at all. Like, this doesn't seem to ring with modern comedy. You know, something like Airplane, right? I think airplanes hilarious, but that's not 2023 comedy for whatever reason. Do they make movies like this anymore? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but not nearly
0: to this level, right? Right. But I feel like the sort of crop of like cocaine bears and things like that are trying to oh, you're right, rejuice yeah. certain genres. It's been going on on the sci-fi channel forever and stuff. But like, I feel in theaters, like you see it every once in a while, and things like Megan, right, which take the genre and sort of play with it, but also add to it yeah if you look hard enough you might find something like this out there you know i wonder if kids watching this or if it was just for the parents to uh have ruth buzzy as one of the moms (laughs) your
1: childhood crush mike ruth buzzy
0: Brian, I bring it up because recently on one of our shows, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, the Cut-By-Cut Cut Francis Ford Coppola podcast, we covered his episode of Saturday Night Live that he directed, and Ruth Buzzy happened to be in a little show called That Girl, and they did a parody of That Girl on the Uncle Francis episode that was pretty, maybe not controversial, but certainly like... Edgy. Edgy. Edgy,
1: edgy for sure. Yeah. Ruth Buzzy, hilarious. Oh, I like Ruth Buzzy. She's a veteran of all those like games. Shows, those like Hollywood style game shows. Yeah, she used to be on the roasts a lot too. Roast and variety shows, right? Yeah, laughing things like laughing. There was like a million things like laughing. It's like, oh, Ruth Buzzy. You, you can make a good deal in Hollywood by just doing the what is it? What kind of shows are those? Variety show? The variety show rounds. Ruth Buzzy is also a recurring
2: punchline on one of my favorite podcasts, Never Not Funny. Where it's just like Ruth Buzzy. What does she do? Like it's just like she's always around, but like it's not clear what she does. She's just like famous for being famous.
1: Well, that well, a lot of people. That's exactly it. A lot of people were famous for being famous back then like if you if you look at her IMDb for films it there's not, there's not that many right she just just made the rounds i thought you were mm-hmm. going to say she's a big punchline in um wet hot american summer the movie like they keep saying like who my ruth buzzy
2: can i share my favorite quote from this movie so chuck's dad says this is like very near the end of the movie if you're worried about your kids lock them up beat them do anything you damn well please but for christ's sake don't stop innocent kids from drinking cola and surfing it's the american way surfing built this town and it's damn well built this country i'm just like it's so passionately delivered and i'm just like this is so weird and dumb and i man i loved it i love the delivery i love the line i love the sentiment i loved all of it I love that, too. Like, this movie
0: felt so earnest. Like, everybody felt like they were really down for whatever. And I really got to say I'm happy for Eddie Deason because, like... Mm -hmm. He definitely did not get a lot of roles like this and by that I mean so much screen time and the ability to be like taken as a serious actor on some level. I don't know. I just thought he did a terrific job and like watching it I was just like so happy for this actor to be like getting this role and being the lead bad guy if you will, but like the lead villain. He was a very good villain. Like he he filled this role really well.
2: You know, when we talked about, for instance, like, a big fault is, like, The Wicker Man, right? Where it seemed like Cage and the director had one movie they were making, and everyone else was making a different movie. And it's just, like, both of these things could be interesting. Together, they don't work. But, like, everyone here, to your point, like, feels game. They know the movie they're making. They want to make this dumb thing, but, like, delivered earnestly. And I think because everyone's on the same page, like, it works better than maybe it should. Like, there's nothing really going for this movie other than, like, a lot of, like, passion. It shows through the screen. And I think that, like, I didn't really actively think about that until we started talking about it. But, like, I appreciate that about this movie.
0: The one last moment I'd like to mention, and it's apropos because I feel like it embodies what we're talking about now, is like them just going for it, is the gross-out food-eating contest two of them have in this movie. It's the dim-witted... Surfer buddy of Eric Stoltz's crew, and then it's the lead kind of zombified Buzz Cola drinking guy, and they're sitting just like eating out of a garbage can. It's like trauma level nastiness going on in this sequence, but like I just couldn't take my eyes off of this train wreck because of how far they were taking it, and to the point where one of them takes food out of the other guy's mouth and puts it in his mouth. They really went for it, and uh, I really gave them extra points after seeing that.
1: Didn't make me queasy, but it made me think of like the Nathan's hot dog eating contest on a uh, Fourth of July on you know Coney Island Beach, right? Like they're eating gross stuff here, but like is it that far from the hot dog eating contest in terms of like what they're doing and the sort of grossness and. Mike, you and I love hot dogs, Joey not so much. I will say that I'm
2: playing a video game right now called Hi Fi Rush and like after you beat the game you can unlock different characters and there's a robot who's like kind of like the psychic whatever who like sells you the costumes and there's one where it dresses him up in a hot dog. I'm like, should I take a picture of my screen and send this to the chat? And I'm like, I can't drop in now after like fifteen months of
0: having it like hidden in silence and muted. That's how you drop in. That's the way to say that I'm here finally.
2: You guys know that like Lord had like that secret Instagram that was all about onion rings? No, I didn't know that. So like Lord, she had a secret onion ring Instagram that got found out and she talked about like on on some late night shows but like for years she would just like take a picture of an onion ring she was eating and like rate it and talk about how good it was or whatever so like people when they're passionate about food they're passionate about food
1: I was gonna say if only there was a podcast on the network that talked food
2: I have one more note about Surf 2, and this is about the soundtrack, which I think the music in this movie is good. Like They have Mexican radio, which is a song I love. There's also an Oingo Boingo song. So Oingo Boingo wrote the song Hold Me Back for this movie, which I think is a pretty good song. Oingo Boingo has a very specific sound. I think is good. When this movie was coming out, the producers who, you know, raised the money and sold the movie made a deal with Capitol Records to make a soundtrack but and the credits in this movie are like go buy the soundtrack kids basically right but then the movie flopped so hard at the box office that they scrapped plans for a soundtrack and so this song by Oingo Boingo Hold Me Back has never actually been released because it was only written for this movie and they never put on another album or anything so like I guess this is kind of like this Oingo Boingo song that like no one maybe knows exists or maybe it's out there now who knows You know, this wiki thing might be outdated but like there's this song that like from a pretty big band right because like Oingo Boingo Daniel yeah he's kind of got like a history and like some uh, one or two like themes to his belt to his name right so like he's got things like they're pretty legitimate like people like them and this song like only lives in this movie which is weird and cool I'm, like a little sad but also you know shout out to hold me back
1: that's awesome quickly on the soundtrack it just it, like this is prime for one of those limited release record store day vinyls you know i have a bunch oh, in my 100 like please please release that
2: it's the name of like the movie alone the name of the movie is so crazy that even though you didn't even know it was a real movie or like even if you hadn't seen it, like you would still buy it because it's just like with art like this and a name like this
1: and it's great the soundtrack's legitimately great too like if i hadn't seen the movie and then i saw this vinyl in a store and i looked at the back i'm like holy shit i need to buy this
2: mike did you know that the guy who shot this movie alex phillips jr also shot a sam peckinpah movie bring me the head of alfredo garcia like they had they brought in like a real dp that movie is
0: incredible too and it in inspired my band, bring me the head of Adrian Zemed talking about Greece too, Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it's a terrific movie. It's one of the very few movies in my life I bought sight unseen or known anything about but the title and and what the cover looked like. Um, Just quickly about the soundtrack, though. You think they could get the rights to all those Beach Boys songs nowadays? Like, I thought that was one of my theories about why this movie was buried for so long is because it's like wall-to-wall Beach Boys. That was one thing. And then what I did love, he showed up here. He showed up in Back to the Beach. I'm sure he showed up in other Beach movies, but Dick Dale. Good to see Dick Dale.
2: Oh, his scene was cut in the theatrical version. Like, I don't know how you're gonna put him in there and then cut it, but they cut it from theatrical, so they restored it for the the director's cut. But yeah, Dick Dale like has like a concert performance, right? Like, which I know is a staple, right, Brian, of like these movies. Absolutely,
1: just, like... I totally forgot to mention that. Yeah, I'm glad we watched this version then because that that to me, I was like, oh, is that him? Oh my god, awesome! Like, clearly they knew what they were doing once again.
2: Yeah, and that's a thing that Mike we saw another movie kind of make fun of on two different podcasts that we cover, but that thing you do when the O'Neaters are out there, when the Wonders are out there like shooting on the beach and like no one's actually playing music and like they don't want to be there, but like they just have to do that cuz it's part of the gig, like yeah, that was a very real thing in these movies. And I don't know why you cut that cuz like he's the guy in surf music. It's a staple of these movies. Like I think it just means like the producers or like the studio or whoever had final say on the theatrical version just didn't know what they were doing.
0: Yeah, because that's definitely in there intentionally as a reference to be like hey, it's the flavor of the week and stuff, except it's Dick Dale. Like, it's an actual surf rock legend. Man, this has been a lot of fun. This movie was wild. This episode was terrific. I do see the lifeguard. He's calling us in. It's getting kind of dark. I'm not trained enough to do night surfing. I am not Bodhi. The Bodhisattva, I cannot do that like uh, in in uh, Point Break. I say we paddle into the beach and as we do so, we can tell everybody where we can find each other other places online. Starting with you, Joey, where can other listeners find you online? Well,
2: I'm going to suggest people check out Too Fast, Too Forever or How to Win the Lottery or 1999 The Podcast, but especially today, check out Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. I hear there's a really good episode out today, April 1st, a movie that I was excited that you guys covered that I was I was glad the podcast when I got to. So check out my shows. So I really want people to check out your show uncle francis's wine cellar
0: today april 1st and brian rodriguez where can we hear you out there on the internet
1: well thank you joey for that plug want to announce something special exclusive here Uh, joe too and i have a show coastal Grambros. it's coming out soon Check it out. Coastal Grand Bros is a show where Joe, Too, and I, you know, discuss our Coastal Grand Bro lifestyle. We're like Coastal Grandmas, but bros. We watch Diane Keaton movies, Diane Lane movies. Um, Under the Tuscan Sun, our next episode. So check that out wherever you get your podcast.
2: Very exciting. And I will also say that, Mike, as this episode comes out on April 1st, you and I will be hanging out together talking about John Wick 4 and a new Elvis movie. Not a new Elvis movie, but a new to us Elvis movie, Viva Las Vegas. So check out Keanu Club in the next couple of days and Viva Pod Vegas in the next couple of days. There'll be new episodes on those feeds as well.
0: Well, that's going to do it for another great episode. Oh, so there's a new Magic Mike movie out. So maybe I think hopefully next month I'm going to try and do Magic Mike double xl so but until then happy april fool's day everybody